Do you feel politically homeless? Lost in the chaos of modern politics? Not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season three. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We've got a special edition for you guys today. I've got some uh, uh, students from Central Magnet High School joining me today. They were brave enough to speak at the school board meeting on Tuesday night. And they've been doing a media circuit uh, for the past few days. Uh, apparently CNN and some other, a lot of social media have picked up these young men. And I'm so honored to have them with me uh, today in the studio so you guys can get to know these uh, young students uh, on a more personal level. And that's why we're here. So welcome to the Will Severn, Grady Knox, and John Dickey. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast. Thank, thank you very you. much for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. So, Grady, I know you've got a busy schedule, so I'm going to well, I'm going to start with you, Grady. So, um, you spoke the other night, Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And um, uh, what was the point that you were trying to get across, Grady? I guess the point I was trying to make whenever I was talking with the school board was how I really truly believe in masks working. Because we've seen it work, and I I told a personal story to try to prove my point, and I guess the audience didn't really believe me and kind of made a whole big deal about it. So They heckled you. Yes. They jeered you. Mm-hmm. How old are you, Grady? I'm 16 years old. 16 years old, yeah. Born and raised in Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Well, what do you want to do when you, when you get out of school, Grady, or where do you want to go to school after high school? Uh, I want to go just anywhere that I can get a degree in the medical field because I really I like the medical pl- the medical industry. I think that helping people is that's one great way to do it by yeah. actually helping people. And so I feel like with the rise of coronavirus, it's a good time to be medically educated. Yeah, and and um, that's wonderful, Grady, because we're going to need doctors in the future mm-hmm. and nurses and medical professionals. And so uh, I appreciate that, that that's still a profession that you want to pursue. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, and especially with all of the things that are going on. So I, as a Tennessean, I was embarrassed by what I saw. I was very proud of you. Mm-hmm. And all of your classmates and everyone that spoke, I was very proud of all of you, but I was really embarrassed by the lack of civility that you were shown. And um, I just want to say that you handled that perfect, Grady. I, did, did it, have you had any speech classes? Have you done any public speaking before? Uh, I gave a speech in fifth grade to try to get to student council treasurer. But yeah. uh, other than that, it was pretty much off the top of my head. I just knew that the best way to deal with that kind of thing is to let them show the internet what kind of people they are and then show the internet that I'm not that kind of person. I'm not going to fight back or give them anything that they want to see me fight back, you know? Right. 
Right. And, and and maybe that they were trying to get a response out of you. Maybe that's what the whole point of that was. But uh, given the fact that you've never given a real public speech before inside of an intimidating crowd like that, all of you are to be commended uh, for your courage. Yeah. Thank, thanks a lot for that. That really it it was tough in the moment, but I know that all of us knew the kind of crowd that we were going to be speaking to and the kind of things that right. we were going to be going up against. I never would have thought that I would have gotten that response to that particular statement, but I mean, I guess everything's in the realm of possibility now. It's unfortunately it seems to be. That's that's right. And so um let me just say this. I know how proud your family must be and how proud your grandmother is looking down on you. And so my condolences to your family. And um, there's not a moment or a statement that you could have done probably to make your family prouder in the way that you handled yourself. So thanks, Grady. Thanks for being a good Tennessean. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. Absolutely. Well, Will, I want to talk to Will for a second. Will, you kind of got all this going a few months ago. Is that right? Do I understand that right? Well, first off, I mean, the only thing I did was tell my friends that this was happening. If it was not for their passion, their dedication, and their motivation, this would not be where it is today. So I take no credit for anything. But I feel strongly about speaking out on issues that are important to me. Uh, Early last April, the school board considered repealing the mask mandate, and I was firm in my belief at the time that with the upcoming state testing where we had to have a certain number of kids in school, otherwise we would lose all state funding. Mm -hmm. With the rise of then it was the beta variant, uh, with the increased infections we were seeing at the time, Mm -hmm. that it was important to keep the mask mandate. Now as the summer progressed, I will be 100% frank and honest. I was optimistic for a return to normalcy. We all were. I had gotten fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I was not wearing masks in public, especially over the month of June. And I was hopeful that when I went back into the classroom, it would seem like a normal year. I would be able to get and see all my friends. I would be able to gather, have clubs, to go to extracurriculars. But as the summer progressed, I think we all started to see that regression nationwide, and especially here in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And within just weeks of school starting, we were seeing cases that were 400, 500% higher Mm -hmm. than what we had recorded during the worst months of the pandemic last winter. And I think for me and for many other students, that was a clear sign. This was not working. Albert Einstein once said, insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and getting different results. Well, we did the same thing for four weeks, and we saw case rates that were higher than anything across the state of Tennessee. We saw quarantines that saw 20% of students out every single week, many of whom were not receiving real-time instruction because of the State Board of Education guidelines. Mm -hmm. That's not an effective system in which we foster learning for children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. And, 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 And Will, it's hard to get all of that into three minutes. It's very hard. And I think that was one of the great things about having so many students show up is that, uh-huh. well, A, if you look at all the students that show up, not a single one of them was against the mask mandate. Every single one of them advocated for its adoption. And yes, and you had a lot of students that didn't get an opportunity to speak. Exactly. We had a number of, was, mm-hmm. we, sorry, we had, a, okay. we had a number of students who could not make it, but mm-hmm. who expressed interest. We had one or two students, there were some technicalities and some mix up. Mm-hmm. But the broad consensus across the school, not just at Central Magnet, but across Rutherford County, is that a mask mandate is necessary to continue effective learning for students. And yeah. if that's not a clear and succinct 
an unmistakable message to policymakers at the local and state levels about where we need to be headed, then I don't know what is. You're exactly right. And uh, it's amazing that from the uh, there's this old saying, and I don't mean to insult you guys. You guys are about to be adults, but from the mouth of babes. You guys really see this unclouded. The message, I think, is you just want to go to school. Yeah. Right? I think I speak for all of us when I say our high school careers have been insanity. We mm-hmm. started our freshman year for us three. Uh, we got out, like, right before the last semester, or, like, right just into it. And we were out for months without mm-hmm. r- really anything to make up for the lost instruction time. Right. And then sophomore year was just a mess. We had to wear masks, and there was contact tracing, and there was online school. And it was fine, but it's not really high school. And this year, we're only a month in, and we've already had a shutdown. So I really feel like all of us kind of lose have lost a high school experience this yeah, yeah. Well, my, my children have graduated from Rutherford County Schools, but I've never attended a, a 2020 college graduation at the University of Tennessee for my oldest son. And my daughter graduated high school, and we couldn't attend that graduation either. And so I understand it's been extremely disruptive for every family out there, especially with children. And John, uh, John, won't you jump on here? John Dickey uh, is joining us well. Uh, d- now, John, I know... I saw you throw a one-hitter in six innings with a mask on, on the mound, in a high school baseball game. Yes, I wore a mask all season, and there was a real, there was a large disconnect between I think even my coaches. That uh, they didn't seem to understand. I don't think they uh, there was a full understanding from anybody, anybody about how masking would affect sports. Mm-hmm. And so the general consensus, and this was not just on the baseball team, this was a, across the county, was masking will make your performance worse, mm-hmm. and it didn't. Right. I yeah. saw you throw a one hitter. Yes, like I. Yeah. I, I don't. I genuinely don't believe that masking will make a player or an athlete any worse. Right. But but at least you got to play the game, John. Right? Isn't that the most important thing? Yeah. Just a small inconvenience. But you still got to have the game. Isn't that really what you guys are here for? And I think that brings up an excellent point because one of the things we're seeing is that students aren't even in school. Right. You know, Tennessee faced massive, and I mean absolutely massive, learning loss last year. Mm -hmm. And we expected that, Mm -hmm. and we should work to make up for it. Right. But the problem is kids aren't just distance learning anymore. They're not learning, At all. Right. Exactly. I mean, last year, for a number of subjects, at least in my grade level, the average for the state of Tennessee was not mastered. It was not sufficient. It was not on track. It was below mastery. That is the lowest possible category. And that was the statewide average. Mm -hmm. I recognize that we need to implement more effective learning strategies. And I recognize we need to work hard to make up those losses. But we can't do that if kids aren't in school. Mm-hmm. And if this pattern continues and we continue to prioritize partisan politics mm-hmm. over giving kids a basic education, we will see we will see learning loss that is far worse than anything we saw last year, anything we can predict. And I think that's the most serious concern is that kids simply aren't in schools right now. And, yeah. And the, and the problem with the policies is not even that they exist or that they're good or bad, is that they're not even in line with what the CDC has said. 
Yeah, so you're now you're really touching on something, John. Now you're kind of getting to the root of everything about what the actual recommendations are and how are we following those recommendations. You know, John, I, I need to compliment you on your speech the other night. You were the uh, what I call the, the the quote king, right? I mean, you're the ones that had the the sound bites. Uh, basically, you said, I heard you say, that, that parents' choice doesn't matter if the schools are closed. It doesn't. There, there's no way to enforce a mask mandate or not enforce a mask mandate if 20-30% of the students are out with COVID or con various contact tracing. So parents, as I mentioned on Tuesday, need to make a choice. Do they want their kids in school or do they want to win right now? Right. Exactly. Is it more right? Is it a political battle or do they really want their kids in school? That's a really good point, John. So let me give you let me give the listeners of this podcast a little background. Obviously you can tell my guests today are very well educated young men. And we're doing a really good job here in Rutherford County. But let me tell you about the school that they go to. They attend a high school here called Central Magnet. Central Magnet High School has been the number one high school in the state of Tennessee. I don't know how many years in a row. Do you guys know? It's four or five years at least. Yes. Top ten in the United States. Now I'm going to ask you guys a question. I don't know if you know the answer to this. Do you know, do you guys have any idea where Tennessee ranks in funding for education for public schools. And this is a public school to our listeners. This is not a private school. This is a public school that has an aptitude test that requires community service from its students. And these students are the most disciplined kids we've got, y'all. This is the future leadership of our, of our country. But does anybody know where Tennessee ranks in, stu in student funding? I believe it's 48. I know it's in the bottom five. That's it, 48. Yeah, we are 48 in student funding. But your high school continuously ranks in the top 10 of the United States. And that's remarkable, guys. That really is remarkable. But it, overall, the state of Tennessee, you know, central is an exception to the rule. There are many rural children and rural schools that their schools are falling down. And, and, and let me say this, too, about Central Magnet to our listeners, too. Uh, this is the old high school here in Murfreesboro. They didn't build you guys a brand new school, did they? No, they did not. All the other kids get a brand new school, if most not, of them or a lot of them. Blackman looks like a shiny penny, but Central's not like that. If I'm not mistaken, we still have follow shelter signs somewhere posted on our gym. From it's, the 50s. Exactly. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, oh my goodness, I forgot. I remember Central, I think the last time we had any big renovations was when the school burned down. Yes. And I know that there was like, it's got a long history, even back to the Civil War and the field there. So it's an old area with an old building on it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, John. And they've made several, like they, you know, they don't make massive additions. Uh, and you can tell it in things like the parking lot. You can tell they've just kind of stapled on additional Additional things. To Additional make, parking. Yes, yeah. Make up, uh, make up the demand. For the horse and buggy. Yeah. yeah like they right. They had not, nothing's been, nothing really major has been done to, to improve the space besides your routine, you know. My point is, is what makes the difference in that school? It's not money. It's not the facility. 
What is what makes the difference? Well, I was just going to touch on that. Is that you know I came, I've attended a variety of different schools. I attended a private school when I was in Texas. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Seagull Middle School with twelve hundred students over just three grades, which is like we talked about a relatively new building. And then I went to Central Magnet School. Mm-hmm. And out of all the schools I've attended in my life, I will say that Central Magnet School undoubtedly and undeniably has the most unique environment because mm-hmm. when you're there, it's not about academic or it's not about sports. Or popularity it's about learning and not just in the purely academic sense but it's about in serving the community mm-hmm. learning more about your fellow classmates learning mm-hmm. how you can be a better person mm-hmm. and I think that focus on growing not just in terms of your GPA but as a person fosters this environment that's really helpful to encourage students to get out there to speak their mind to be active citizens and to contribute to the betterment of the community I think that's something that really sets central apart and which is why we see these amazing test scores and results even when we don't have the newest facilities even when our state funding ranks so low we consistently outperform because the teachers and administrators and students and support staff work so well together to really foster that unique environment. Like I've had, I've had yeah, that's a wonderful answer, Will. Wonderful. I've had several. Te- I've had a few teachers already co- uh, congratulate, like compliment me for my statement on Tuesday. Like these are these are teachers. These are not your average teachers. These are teachers who care about the kids and how the kids grow and how they perform. Like it's not just a number. They're not just going to type it into the computer and forget it. It's it's going to. It's, it, it matters to them. You have a real community there is what you're trying to say. Yeah, just today, my one of my teachers called my parents personally to uh, congratulate them on my speech on Tuesday. And I feel like that really speaks to just the way that the teachers and parents communicate at Central. Because mm-hmm. in other schools, they might come for, in for like the test scores if your child makes an F. But at Central, when your child does something good, that teachers will come in contact with you because they really know what is important to parents. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a very unique community there. And this doesn't mean that the other high schools in Rutherford County aren't doing a great job. My son, daughter, when they went to Blackman, just graduated from the University of Tennessee. So we have great schools here in Rutherford County. But you guys are kind of like the premier school of the state. And so anyway, it was really great to see you guys. Uh, step up for your fellow students and for your teachers. Let me touch on that. This is uh, disturbing. Since beginning of the school year in the state of Tennessee, we've already lost eight school staff members statewide. Teachers, school bus drivers, cafeteria workers, janitors, in one month's time. Guys, what do we do? We, we, We know the mask prevent the transmission. There's multiple studies. I can't, that no one that wants to argue that can present any data that doesn't prove otherwise. What if the masks are not enough? Is there an acceptable level? Do you think we can get to the an acceptable level with the mask? I guess is what I'm trying to say. I, for me, it's zero. We should have zero cases. We can, we can do it. Right now, because of the spread in Tennessee is so high, and actually, actually, the only geographic place on planet Earth that has a higher spread of COVID in, than Tennessee is Mongolia. So we have a hot, we, we're dealing with a lot. It's an uphill battle at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. But what we can do is if we mask, it, it shows like it will, it will lower the spread four-fifths. Metro Nashville up the road has twice the students that we do. They have 86,000 and they have half the cases. They have five, roughly 500 cases and we have 1,000. This is not a isolated, highly specific test study. This is a live, active 
instructional school run by smart, capable people, and they live in a, they live in a geographic location that is very near us, so they have very comparable results to us, and they have proven that they can do traditional in-person instruction in the classroom without needing any other assistance besides masks. Yeah, so so we've at least got to got to give it a shot. Is what you're saying, John? And if it doesn't work, would you guys? If we had to go virtual, is that is virtual better than nothing? I completely agree, mm-hmm. and I think when you talk about moving just beyond the schools, you know, mm-hmm. I think almost everyone you talk to, regardless of their party, would say politics is unavoidable in modern American society. Sure, our political inclinations tint um, undeniably our worldview, how we see things, and you know, I. I espouse views of both parties from time to time. I mm-hmm. believe I'm not, you know, a one side left person, one side right person. I'm I consider myself generally a moderate. Yeah, perfect um, guess for this show. Well, <laughs> the man in the middle. And yeah. one of the things that has broken my heart over these past months, as we've seen this virus ravage communities across the nation and the world, is that it's not a human issue. It's become a political issue. Yeah. And for us to truly defeat this virus, which I hope and I think is the true goal of every American, is we have to realize that we have a duty not to ourselves, but to the community on a local level, on a state level, and a national level. This isn't a time when it's running for your election or trying to score points or pushing an agenda. This is about coming together as a city, as a state, as a country, as a global community and saying, it's time for us to put aside our differences and to yes. say we have a common enemy, to unite against that common enemy and say let's work together to get this done. Yes. And I think if we really want to see progress, which I know I certainly do. Absolutely. We, I, I would be shocked if, you know, more than 75% of the listener, I, I would not be shocked if more than 75% of the listeners to the show know someone that has died from COVID. Absolutely. We've had guests on this show whose family members have passed yes it's something Mm -hmm. that affects all of us and Mm -hmm. i think that and i don't want to speak for grady or john but i think i'd certainly they'd certainly agree with me when is is that it's time to come together as a society and say we need to take action yeah i i couldn't agree more it's way past time will it's it's way past time and these uh, uh public health issue should not divide be a political issue right and obviously that's been kind of to let me put it this way. Let me just apologize to all three of you young men and all of your classmates and uh, the young lady that showed up, Amanda, when her name, I believe there was, uh, who was the young lady that showed up and spoke from Central? I want to give a shout out to her as well. It was Delaney and Bibi, I think. Th- Delaney, was, Bibi, and Anna. Thank And Anna, that was it. So thank you for mentioning them and shout out to you young ladies for such a good job that you did. But the adults are failing you right now. The adults are failing you. And... We've got to get it together out there, adults. These these young men, these young students will soon be adults. It won't be long. Let me ask you this question. Do you think, has this enlightened you on how important elections are? Uh, I think that that's really what we were going for because we understood that what was going on was something that shouldn't be going on. And I think that's really the reason that we went to the school board meeting in the first place because yeah. we knew that if we wanted something to happen, we were gonna have to get it done ourselves. And that's why all of us went. We all knew that, you know, people might not take it the right way. They might call us children and say that we don't know what we're talking about. But we understood that the best way to spread our message was to spread it ourselves and not rely on other people to do it. And so I guess now that we know that, we'll be able to 
tell everyone that we know. Like, if you want something done, uh, to go out and work on it yourself. Cause yeah, well, I hope what this does, I hope one of the positives that come out of this is that is that your age, your generation is energized on who they elect to public office, that it actually matters to take, once again, a small inconvenience, five minutes of your life to go vote. And I, th- yeah. I think that's especially poignant in Tennessee because we historically have some of the lowest voter turnout rates oh, yeah. in the nation. Yeah. Harvard has quite literally come into Tennessee and tried to figure out why our turnout rates are so low because for the life of them, they don't know why. Yeah. We have been given this incredible privilege as citizens of America. People, great men and women over the centuries have fought and died for it. Mm-hmm. From the moment they become an American citizen, you are given the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Your voice matters. A lot of people out there say, what, what does one vote do? Mm-hmm. How does my voice matter? It sends a message. Mm-hmm. Every single vote sends a message to the people in power about where the communities lie, what their priorities are, and what steps they need to take to make sure they reach equitable solutions. Mm-hmm. And I think as a younger generation who's becoming increasingly more politically active, with Grady and John and myself, Rian, who spoke there, Anna and Bibi and Delaney, who spoke there, we are starting to realize now that our voices can be heard and that yeah. our voices matter. Yeah. Grady and John? Well, I just hope that other students see what we what happened on Tuesday and they know they they recognize it because 10 people made a local issue that was basically doomed to fail re- reach a national audience and now it has a legitimate shot of passing. And I think that's the that's the reaction that it should have because we as students we're, we're still children we're minors. We still can't vote. But we we still have certain powers that adults have. We need to be utilizing those very those few powers that we do actually have. I do appreciate that, John. Absolutely. Uh, here's the thing, guys. I think, if I'm not mistaken, but you'll all be eligible to vote in the next presidential election, which will be in 24. Yeah, I for one am very excited to vote in the next coming elections. As a 18 year old, being able to practice my civil rights is pretty exciting for me. Yeah, so see, that's great. A guy like me, and a lot of our listeners, we love to hear this, that you guys are energized, that you can do better, that you want to try to do better in the future. That's what's extremely important. But the most important thing is that you participate. Well, you know, my grandfather, and I loved him to death. He's one of my favorite people. May he rest in peace. He was the eternal optimist in the room. Mm-hmm. It was the thing I and everyone who met him loved about him. And I've tried to take some lessons from him. Mm-hmm. And over this past pandemic... I've tried hard to find the bright moments. And I think one of the things we've seen is that the youth of America are ready to lead, mm-hmm. not just in COVID-19, but in education and healthcare and climate change. We're seeing across the nation and the globe a trend of young leaders yeah. like Grady and John and everyone else sticking up. And I'd certainly like to get their opinion on this. I think we're showing that we can lead, that we have opinions, yeah. and that we're, we have a voice for a reason. And when we use it responsibly, we can affect change. Absolutely. And it's the, it's the irony of all of this, of this pandemic response that the current leaders didn't think that the youth, that youth, that young people would stand up and come out and support for support, support against them, because they thought that we didn't couldn't see what they were doing, and we just we went we can go we went through and deep were able to f- find out exactly what they had chosen to do, and we didn't support it because we don't have a say. We still have to walk into school and deal with deal with that every day. Right. 
So we, we have to we have to take a stand at some point. Absolutely. Well, I tell all of my young friends, everyone under 25, this is just the truth. You guys could swing every election from 18 to 25 years old. If you could get all of your classmates and your friends and your generation to show up, you could determine every election. You've got the numbers. You just have to have the discipline and the willpower, right? So let's talk about the opt-out for a little bit. And are you good, Grady? Um, now, Grady, we're going to have to say goodbye to Grady. Grady, thank you so much. And we're going to keep going with Will and John, if that's okay. i got a few more questions. But, Grady, thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you for your family's uh, contributions to this community. And um, anyway, I really appreciate you being here, Grady. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, if you remember anything I said, just remember masks work. Uh, I hope we see them in schools so that we can save lives. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's really simple. Thanks, Grady. So we'll get back to it here, guys. Um, the opt-out. So these folks that are showing up at these meetings... They seem to be have all the. They seem to have a lot of numbers, don't they? Like they they show and they're very loud and they're very aggressive, right? But in Williamson County, they did the same thing over in Franklin, and they gave the parents an, an opportunity to opt out. You guys know how many opted out? I think it was twenty three point five percent. Twenty. You picked it up. Is in the meeting. A quarter of them, right? Less than a quarter. In Murfreesboro City Schools, it was 7%. Yes, indeed. In Murfreesboro City. So this is what I want you guys to know. Just because one small group is loud and boisterous and aggressive doesn't mean they represent everybody, right? Would you guys agree with that? I would completely agree. And I think there was, if you look at the original Williamson County Schools meeting, one of the board members from Williamson County Schools actually addressed that, and she said, you know, I have received, it was something, I don't want to quote her directly, obviously, but paraphrasing, she said, you all may be loud, but you're not in the majority. I have received almost twice the number of emails from pro-mask mandate students than I have from yeah. anti-mask mandate right. students. And I'd also like to say, you know, I think civil discourse is an undeniably vital aspect of our democracy. Yes. And I was worried on Tuesday night that we would see a devolution into violence like we did in Williamson County, and that broke my heart. For the most part, Things were kept fairly civil, mm -hmm. but the, you know, Grady said he 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 tried to not focus on the on the comments of the other people who heckled and jeered at him, and he's a kind person. Yeah, and I I love him for that. I am not as restrained, and I'm just gonna go out there and say it. I think the manner in which certain audience members deemed it appropriate to comport themselves that evening was was Despicable. irredeemable and abhorrent. I mean, irredeemable and abhorrent are the only words that come to mind. I was yeah. saddened, yeah. sickened, shocked. Yeah. He came out there and he stood behind that podium, and I have immense respect for this, and he spoke, he spoke firsthand to the devastation that this virus has inflicted on so many American families. And yeah. for that to be their chosen response, I respect their right to have their own opinion. That's right. I, I, I try to be very tolerant of the other side. I recognize I don't denigrate the value of parent choice. I right. think some of their concerns did have merits. Right. And I, I did listen to them, but in that moment, we saw that students were sat, sat there. They maintained their composure. They did not boo. They did not jeer. They did not heckle. At that moment, we were the adults in the room. And I think that's very emblematic of where we are as students is that we're having to be the leaders. And that should not be the case. We're capable of it. Right. But we have elected officials. We have adults in the community who should fill that role. That that responsibility should not fall incumbent upon us. That's correct. 
the adults need to start acting like adults. I couldn't agree more with you, Will. So, John, um, let me swap up, and I'm gonna, I am going to get a little political here. This is a show about politics. Governor Bill Lee, who has taken away virtual learning and the Republican supermajority in Nashville, so you guys don't have an option if your school's closed down. You just get to sit at home all day. He was in a rural Tennessee county yesterday uh, with it looked like first graders, and he sat down with all these first graders, and he didn't have a mask on, and neither did the first graders. What do you think about that, John? Is that leadership? Well, the first thing I would say about him is he's really something. He really is. <laughs> but it's a, it just shows a complete disconnect. He has no grasp on how to, how to control a crisis, and that is not where we need to be in a pandemic. So it just shows a complete lack. It does. It shows a complete lack of leadership in the governor's mansion when he doesn't understand the fundamentals of an infectious disease. Right. So he either a still doesn't understand how masks work after two years of the pandemic, or b he was willfully negligent and pandering to his voting base. Well, I'd like to. I'd like to think that the governor was not willfully pandering to his. Uh, supporters when that might potentially cost the lives of children. Yeah. Exactly, John. Exactly. So, guys, where do we go from here? So there's a meeting about to happen again right here in Rutherford County. They've been together three days in a row. They're earning their election right now, I would say. Where do we go from here, guys? Got a prediction on how this is going to turn out? Well, you know, first off, I'd like to recognize that there are a, a number of board members across not just Rutherford County, but across the nation who are working diligently and earnestly to help protect students' health, to help implement mask mandates, to help implement common sense protection policies. And I think a lot of them know who they are, and to them I'd like to say thank you. And to board members in general, I recognize that your jobs are hard. But the truth is they're becoming more and more in the minority. I think that's what scares me is that school boards are becoming increasingly politicized. Yes. Not just for the right and left, but just in general. Mm -hmm. And I think children's education is something that should be taken out of politics because it's not about Republican or Democrat. It's about... It's about leading the next generation into success. And that's exactly. one of the things I think all three of us touched on was we just want to be in school. Y'all just want to y'all just want to live your lives and be educated. We just right? want to learn. Yeah, right. And I, I'm hopeful that the board, when they make their decision, I recognize it's a hard one. They don't have a lot of options. They can't expand their virtual school because they can't hire more teachers. Right. We had fifteen thousand additional students return to the classroom this year, and we were when we were already struggling with social distancing last year. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out it's going to be even harder this year. Right. And short of building entirely new classrooms in a matter of weeks, you can't solve that problem. Mm -hmm. We can't go hybrid or distance learning to help reduce numbers of students in schools. And I recognize that's a hard decision, but that logic also leads to the conclusion that when you're presented with a viable option, like a mask mandate, even with parent opt-outs, Williamson County Schools saw nearly 25% of parents opt out. Their cases per capita are- Still went down. Yeah, half or a third of ours currently. Mm When you're presented with that opportunity, you need to take it. Mm-hmm. One board, one me, one person at the board meeting said something incredibly poignant that I really took away, and it was, when the firefighters show up at your house, they don't talk about what kind of carpet you could have used, what kind of ventilation should have been there, whether there should have been a fire extinguisher in the kitchen. 
they're going to try and put out the fire. Put the fire out. I recognize we need to adopt more long-term sustainable solutions, but right now we are seeing case numbers weekly in the thousands. The house is on fire. Quarantines in the tens of thousands. Mm -hmm. This this isn't about thinking long-term, and I think we should do that. I don't think we should set aside that goal, but right now we need to pursue strategies that will immediately fix the problem that's most pressing, and that's what I'm hoping for. Mm -hmm. Good good point, Will. John? Well, it's just so interesting that they the disconnect is there that they don't understand that we need to protect the stu- students education when they're the board or the county slogan for education is empowering today's students for tomorrow's opportunities i saw that up up, up on the sign right as you guys were giving your speech yeah and the tragedy is is that if you deprive students of their education or ho- hopefully not their lives they don't get that opportunity. They're not going to get that. That opportunity will never be granted to them. Yeah. And in a state where we're lagging behind in test scores, and I know a couple months, a couple weeks ago, Knox County had a whole elementary school. Their tests were lost, so they all got zeros. Mm-hmm. That's an uphill battle for all those students, and to further put that strain on them after all the all the things they're having to do already, I do not think that it's right for them to still make a decision that cripples students. Good point, John. So so to both of y'all's point, people are allowed to have the, you know this Moms for Liberty group, are you guys familiar with them? So when they thought the pandemic was over this summer, you know what they were talking about to the school boards? They were most concerned about concerned about the reproductive habits of seahorses and that that was being taught in science class because the male seahorse gives birth, not the female. And they were very concerned and did not want that taught in our schools. Can you believe that guy? I mean, you're right. They have a right to that opinion. And it is absurd, but it's just absolutely absurd, the denial of science and reality and the detachment from reality. You know, I always say you're perfectly entitled to your own opinion. That's one of the great things about this country is That's that right. the, the first the first amendment to the United States Constitution guarantees you the right to free speech, right to freedom of the press, right to free religion, right to peaceably assemble, and right to petition the government for redress of grievances. It's right there. It's the first thing you see in our Bill of Rights. In 1791, you as an American have had those liberties. Mm-hmm. But what you're not entitled to do is be ignorant. You're yeah, entitled right. to your own opinion, mm-hmm. but you're not entitled to be ignorant. Whenever I speak passionately about or advocate for a cause, I do my due diligence because I recognize that if I truly care about something, I will take the responsibility to learn everything I can about it because if I really want to benefit what I care about, that's the way to do it, is by being an informed, responsible citizen. And you don't have to be passionate about a cause to recognize that knowing basic facts, listening to basic science, Mm -hmm. people who have done their job for decades learning about experts. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to realize that experts are the people we should be listening to, especially in a pandemic, is that science is what we need. I'm a a very religious person. I go Mm -hmm. to church almost every Sunday. All of you guys go to church. Exactly. Every time the doors are open. And, you know, I've been -hmm. been a Christian since birth, but I also recognize that science, there are certain things that are just undeniable. Masks work, right? Yeah. Vaccines work. Vaccines work. In the case of a pandemic, Mm -hmm. you have to listen to people who have studied this for decades. I mean decades. Who have massive amounts of research, huge bodies of work to back up their 
their theories and their experiments on. I think that's one of the things that I really hope that we see moving forward is that the people in positions of power right. will so, start listening to those experts. <laughs> right. So that kind of leads me. You're exactly right. And we've debased our experts. We're debasing our institutions. And Will, you're all over this. I talk about this on the podcast all the time. Our country is under attack from foreign entities that wish to cause disruption and chaos, and their methodology is not a gun or a bomb, it's misinformation. People are being misinformed. Would you guys agree with that? Is misinformation alive and, and real? I would absolutely agree. If you're another country who sees that you, this is just basic principles of warfare. If you see an opening, if you see an opening in your neighbor in your neighboring country, preferably somebody that you don't like, mm-hmm. you're going to exploit that opening because that's free territory, free natural resources, you name it. And if you're if you're a country like Russia or China, that's an it's a there's a it's an ocean away, but it's in your backyard. Mm-hmm. You you've got you've got your you've got people who are native to your to your country who live there, and so these countries see an opening. They see an opening yeah. that they're exploiting right now, and it's it's a it's a product product of the digital age, yes, but it's preventable. We've had the internet for more than twenty five years. The, we need to we need to step in and start maybe not regulating, but monitoring well, this a little bit. Yeah, we we need to know and disinformation. I agree that that this certain things are disinformation. So. One more question. I'll let you guys get out of here. So in a few years, you'll be signing up for selective service. You guys familiar with that? You know what that means? Yes, I do. It means you could be drafted against your will to be trained and to go fight and die in a land in a war that you don't agree with. That's what that means. You can be forced by your government. So all these folks out there that say that vaccines can't be mandated, trust me, if they can conscript these young men to go die in a foreign land, you can be mandated to have a vaccine. Well, think about it. They can send me into a petri dish full of COVID, thirty-five hours a week for the next thirty-one weeks a year, and nobody, none of the none of the pro-freedom parents who are anti-maskers seem to grasp that concept that it isn't safe. And if they grasp the concept that it isn't safe, they would realize the kind of danger their children are actually in. Mm-hmm. What should we do about these folks that are misinformed? As far as Christians, you guys go to church, and and we don't wish ill will. Do you, we don't wish any no, we ill don't. will. No, no. no. they're our fellow Americans. We've got we've got to save them. Well, you know, if you look at any major issue in America, healthcare, education, I mean, you name it, infrastructure, there are two things that will be common. A Everyone agrees it doesn't work. Republican and Democratic administrations have tried to fix these issues for decades. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that we've known about these problems for decades, and we haven't been able to solve them. And I think one of the, the crooks of that problem, the crooks of our inaction, the crooks of our paralysis in terms of legislation is that we now live by two different sets of facts. And I think that's one of the things that's really endangering our American political system. The two information bubbles. Exactly, Mm -hmm. because I I think that the two-party system is invaluable to American politics. I think we need that... Parliamentary type system. We need that that debate between both sides to Mm -hmm. enact sensible, moderate policies that are equitable for all. But I think that if you... 
that requires, that informed civil debate requires that you're also operating off of the same set of facts. Correct. Now, there's disinformation on both sides. I have certainly been prone to go on to a website and see something and think, oh, that's totally true, and then come to find out later. We've all been duped. We've all done that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that we as Americans need to be more conscious of that. And Mm -hmm. you talked about foreign adversaries coming in and using misinformation. Mm -hmm. They recognize that we are so polarized, that we are so eager to acknowledge our own sides, that we are willing to completely... It could be a website that whose name makes no sense, who provides no sources, but because we want to validate our own opinions. And that's not a flop. That's just human nature. I'm Confirmation not bias. Exactly, right? Yes. Uh-huh. We'll just accept it. I think if we yeah. really want to see progress as mm-hmm. a society, what we need to do is be more cognizant of where we're getting information from. Yep. Does it even sound logical? And I think if we can start to slowly move back into this singular operating off the same set of facts. I'm not saying everyone has to think the same or share the same opinions. Far from it. But I think if we really want to see meaningful change in this country that's not about a political agenda, but is about preserving American society for our posterity and leaving this nation better than we found it, I think we need to start operating off of those same sets of facts again. Yeah. And and that's that's the that's the gap. That's how do we fix that, right? So absolutely. Anything you would you guys, we've been going for forty five minutes now. What would you like to leave with our audience here uh, at the Man in the Middle podcast? John, take it seriously. I've I've seen too many I've seen too many people who have not taken not even just COVID have taken real threatening issues. Not they have not taken them seriously. And no elections have consequences. I'm always hearing that one. Elections have consequences, and we're we're seeing that play out right now. There are thousands of people who should be here and that are not, and we have to accept the fact that that's on that's on us. Thank you, John. Will you know one of the things that this this whole experience has taught me is not a single one of the seven students who spoke on Tuesday night went into that room with the expectation this would become a national story. We didn't go in there because we wanted to play politics. George Soros didn't put you up to this, (laughs) did he, Will? No, he did not. We didn't go in there because we wanted to get on CNN or talk to this podcast. We went in there because we were concerned students. You want to go to school. That's all we want to do. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of students in Middle Tennessee, in the state, in this nation who are sitting in their classroom right now, whether it be in elementary, middle, or high school, and are thinking to themselves, I have opinions. I want things to change, but my voice doesn't matter. I talked to kids who wanted to go to the board meeting, and their parents said no because their parents explicitly said, your voice doesn't matter. Hmm. And the thing I want to leave with lis- listeners today of all ages is that if you act responsibly, if you're informed and you use the voice that you were given in a responsible manner, people will listen. That's correct. And that if you go out there and you take action, you can affect real change. Don't yes, let anyone can. tell you different. That's and right. I think that's the most important thing. And I think if we see citizens becoming more involved and active, we will see great progress in America. And I think that's what I'm hopeful for in the future. What a wonderful interview. Will Severin, John Dickey, Grady Knox. Thank you guys. So let, let, let me just to say to this to the audience, if you're concerned about the future of this country and the youth, right, right here should be a podcast that reassures you that uh, we're going to be in great hands 25 years from now when these young men have, have educated themselves and gone on to start their careers. And I feel every time I talk to people your age, I feel so much better about the future because you guys understand and you know what's going on. So thanks again for joining us on the Man in the Mill podcast. I'm Stephen Reynolds. I'll see you next week. <laughs>